Welcome to this week in sustainability. It's a special edition. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, your host. Uh, there was some big news in climate change and sustainability investment today. Uh, over the last three years or so, Larry Fink, uh, CEO of BlackRock, the $7 trillion under management investment firm out of New York, has been making a lot of noise about how to make corporate America work for the common good for all stakeholders and not just uh, shareholders. Uh, he's been under pressure from activists and congressfolk alike, uh, and today he finally put some teeth to his words and made some pretty big commitments to sustainable investment. Amongst others, uh, BlackRock committed to invest $1 trillion in sustainable investments by 2030. To discuss BlackRock's new direction and what it all means, we have three very special guests today. Frank Coleman, he's a former senior vice president at Christian Brothers Investment Services, a leading U.S. environmental social government governance investment firm. Andrew Bahar, a CEO of As You So, a nonprofit leader in U.S. shareholder advocacy. And finally, Paula Glick is a co-founder of Honey Tree Investment Management out of Toronto. Welcome. Thank you. Frank, I want to start with you. Is this the watershed moment, environmental, social, and governance investment and impact investment that we've been waiting for, working for, for these last 30, 40 years? Uh, Mark, I'd hesitate to identify any moment as a watershed moment, especially um, given the fact that the first environmental resolution was filed in the late 19th. I do want to give credit that I do think it is a moment when one of the largest asset management firms um, has finally seen the light and is trying to think through how that uh, impacts the way that they manage money for the marketplace. And I, I suspect it's a bottom-up driven um, approach. They're seeing that a lot of their investors are concerned about this and they're finally uh, giving it some attention and um, trying to figure out for themselves how it works within their portfolios. So it's a, it's a noticeable moment. I hesitate calling it a watershed moment. Uh, I, I, would, I would concur. I would agree that we've heard Larry Fink say a lot of great things for many years. We've yet to see action. And uh, you know, the words are really nice. It's nice that they signed the um, business roundtable, new purpose of a corporation. It's great that they joined the Climate Action 100. It's nice that he writes these letters every year, but they vote against every climate resolution. They basically vote against most shareholder residents. And we just have no evidence that they're actually going to be taking action. The divested coal seven years ago, I mean, most of the pension funds, Peabody lost 80% of its value, um, went bankrupt actually. Um, so it's nice to hear they're going to be getting out of bankrupt companies. So I'm, I'm waiting for action uh, to follow the words, but the words are encouraging. It's nice to have a continuous flow of positive it's, Yeah, and um, I, I concur as well. I think, you know, all of what you've said is, is absolutely relevant tremendous power um, and opportunity to change. Yeah, Andrew, I, Andrew, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, do you think BlackRock's decision is going to enable and empower uh, other companies to change their own strategies and policies to focus more on sustainability? You're saying companies that they're investing? Yeah, yeah. Companies that they that invest in or any companies that, for that, that More companies will, for instance, will start to adopt a net zero. Uh, a lot of companies are adopting a net zero. I mean, BlackRock's just a laggard. Um, you know, we're seeing that many, many companies, I know Amazon just said that they're going to be doing net zero. You're seeing, so yes, hopefully it will. Um, I, I think that, that this is a good trend and we'd like to see Vanguard make similar statements. But again, let, let's talk about this in, in July. 
high after the proxy season. Let's see how BlackRock votes. And there is a shareholder resolution against them um, for this year, isn't there, around climate change? Uh, there's quite a few. We have one asking them for an implementation plan on the business roundtable, new purpose of a corporation. They, have, uh, they also have a resolution on the way they vote on climate change. You know, they have mm-hmm, quite a few mm-hmm. resolutions. I, I do think, um, uh, Mark, this is Frank, that, that there is, uh, I want to be fair to BlackRock and say, I do think because they are one of the, lar- they are one of the top managers in the world, um, it will have some impact. I think the impact, though, um, one of the things we have to really look at is, um, I think a lot of companies will change statements to reflect sustainable goals, but I'm not quite sure they're going to change behavior. And that's the thing we really have to look at. So, um, you know, having a sustainability uh, uh, statement about how you're going to, how the company is going to now focus on sustainability is one thing, but watching what they do and how they do it is just as important. So I think there's a the impact as, as it as it was the first letter that came out in 2018, companies began to to make those changes. I think we'll see some of that here. But again, the the the, the proof is really in whether or not um, they act policies and uh, processes that get them to be actually on the sustainability uh, path rather than just statements about doing it. One good thing that he did say, though, is about just broadly, we need metrics. We need we need actual metrics in disclosure from companies. And he specifically points out SASB and also points out the TCFD. So the fact that BlackRock is now saying these sustainability reports just can't be like nice anecdotal stories and pretty pictures. That's a that's probably the most significant piece of this letter, right. as far as I'm concerned, and what a company can actually respond to. Well, I also think that them just coming out with their own action plan uh, things, obviously, they need to be done in a timely manner. We need to see action, uh, not just these words, but the fact that it's much more, you know, actionable is 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 very powerful in terms of the messaging that it's giving to people. You know, they they. They, you know, I think this does give companies an opportunity to evaluate their own strategies, like from a real investment standpoint, you know, that combines ESG and the traditional investing strategies, how, how to really do that in a meaningful way. I, I think it's going to make, it's going to make other investment firms ponder and think uh, more carefully about what they're really doing because it's getting, it's, it's a, it's a it's a notch it's much more than a notch up it's it's making even bolder statements and getting more actionable um and i think it sends a message to companies the status quo is not an option anymore um so whatever they do i think that that there's definitely much more you know thinking that has to happen and and it will make people stop and think well actionable is a real key for uh, us all i mean we've been doing this kind of stuff for many many years now we've heard a lot and lots of promises being made and not lots of action being taken. I mean, I guess it's my hope that we see both investment firms and their investee companies start to do things differently. But uh, Paula, on that front, and I think Andrew mentioned it earlier about, you know, coal companies going out of business already and, and things changing in, a, in certain ways. But do you think Fink's decision and direction is uh, more a function of good business uh, just making better investments, or is he genuinely genuinely concerned about their environment, or does that even matter? Uh, well, well I, I can't actually say what Larry Fink is thinking. 
I I can only imagine, and I think there would be an element um, on a on a on a personal level where I mean you cannot ignore this. Uh, um, so the, the the catastrophes that are happening, the awareness is 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 growing so significantly. But there's no question from a business perspective that BlackRock is under a lot of pressure. It was mentioned earlier. Um, you know, there's protests. There's NGOs speaking out. You know that the fact that they haven't done enough. They make a lot of you know, they've been making some 2016 uh, with his letter, a lot of criticism against BlackRock for not doing enough. And, you know, I think recently, um, even, you know, the Japan, Japan, the 1.5 trillion pension plan, the largest pension plan in the world, divested billions from BlackRock last year because they, you know, and, and I think that they're, they're starting to see the pressure from so many different angles, whether it's clients, uh, shareholders, um, the it just it can't be ignored from a business perspective. The protests that are happening in the around their various offices. Um, so I think that they that there's they don't again we don't they don't want to be. I think he you know sees that he could potentially be seen as like the big laggard uh, that's too slow to move, and at the same time he's leading with these remarkable statements and and has the power um, by sheer size a firm to, to really be a leader. And so I think he wants to be um, BlackRock to be the responsible investor they claim to be. I think it's a really good point about the Japanese pension fund uh, divesting BlackRock. I think that that's a, a trigger for them saying, okay, this is getting serious. We're going to start losing major 401k plans. We're going to start losing major investment. U.S. TIF trend report that came out last year shows one out of every $4 is invested with ESG. And that's up from one out of every $12, maybe eight years ago. So this is a absolute trend. And um, I think it'd be foolhardy to not acknowledge it and, and make business decisions around it. Yeah, and- yeah I, would, I would agree with the, the, the trend of that. I, I, I can't get into Larry Fink's head, so what he, what he believes. But there are a couple of things here that I would say has happened. He's really, by the first letter in 2018, by the follow-up, um, put BlackRock at the center of a conversation of wanting to do more in a sustainability area, which in fact brings more attention to what they actually are doing. Um, they have a, a 2019 investment stewardship annual report that's really interesting, I think, from a, a reporting standpoint. Not that it's 100% correct, not that it's anything, but what it begins to do is begins to put out there exactly what they are doing with some limited metrics involved in it which allows the shareholders in BlackRock, the investors in BlackRock to see and to hold them accountable. So part of what I think is a positive um, part of what's happening and whether he believes or not, whether he's driven by the marketplace or by internal beliefs, the, the, the fact is he's taken a public position which puts them right uh, in the front of being looked at, uh, groups analyzing them, and they've written a report that actually says this is what we're really doing on a number of fronts, including the engagement report, that allows investors to take a look at that and say, yes, but. So um, contrary to what some of their peers are doing, they're at least stepping up front uh, or stepping to the front in that regard and allowing us to have some data around which we can then measure and then go back to them and saying this isn't enough or this is great or, and that sort of, sort of stuff. So um, again, not, not getting into what he believes, what he's doing, I think, starts the ball rolling and has a much more impactful capability um, than some of his peers, which aren't even what they're reporting on is really not much. You compare that to the JP Morgan call this morning and Jamie Dimon not even mentioning any risk at all. And they're the ones who are, you know, making loans for massive extraction projects. Um, so I think JP Morgan is looking more and more out of step now with, um, 
you know, with, with the trend, with where risk is being identified. Well, Andrew, I, I, I wanted to ask, a, I want to ask you a question. I think it wraps nicely with your, your last comment is, you know, do, do you see in BlackRock's direction, you know, some kind of uh, strong influence on corporate action on climate change, particularly uh, on the production and use of energy? And, and I think more germane is, do you think if that is true, do you think it's going to be fast enough to spur the transition to clean energy that's going to keep us below that 1.5 degree or two degrees the United Nations says is kind of the no return dystopian tipping point. I think that he should have said about oil and gas what he said about coal. I think he should have said, yeah, we are getting rid of coal and now we're moving into um, divesting oil, you know, oil and gas. And these companies are just not moving fast enough. They are not listening. They're not, uh, they're not, Paris compliant, they don't have Paris compliant business plans, nor are they listening to investors that are saying, you know, putting up red flags and going risk, risk, risk. So he could be much stronger and move us into a much better position. I think this is a little late and it's not quite strong enough. We'll see again what the actual action, if they vote, if they, if they vote in support of all of the um, shareholder resolutions on climate at big oil, and I'm speaking in particular around the Paris compliant ones that as you so has been filing as well as with utilities as well as with petrochemical plants which we're, we've filed all of those as well if BlackRock supports all the resolutions and the whole climate action 100 follows and and actually acts you know as a block then I think you're going to really see some change because you're going to see big votes across the board and that's what we need right now yeah, I mean, we need that in the investment industry. We also need the regulation side of the equation. I think he, you know, BlackRock has the opportunity also to, to really push in that direction. I think they could be doing something there. The subsidies for brown energy needs to, you know, it distorts the whole economy. And um, I agree with you that, that uh, you know, he should come out a lot more strongly on, on positioning around fossil fuels more broadly. Well, I want to I want to ask one last question to you all uh, in a word or two. Are you hopeful? I, I am an eternal optimist. I believe that we know how to create a safe, just, and sustainable world. I think that there are so many incredible blueprints for it. It's not a question of technology. It's a question of capitalization. And when the big asset owners and the big banks start to capitalize a just and safe and sustainable world, it will happen. And I, 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 when you look around, I mean, you do see so many wonderful um, initiatives and stories. A lot of capital is being transitioned across the different asset classes. I think there's a lot of fantastic things happening. And this is just another piece of the puzzle. Um, but, I, I, but I am positive, too. I wouldn't have, you know, 32 years in the business, I wouldn't have stayed in if I wasn't hopeful and, and as uh, Andrew said, internal optimist. Though the challenges are great, and we're really talking about speed and scale are the two critical challenges that we need to happen for this to be meaningful. I think BlackRock um, begins the scale part. Um, I don't see the speed yet, but I think that that begins the scale part. If we can get their peers to, um, to do the same, then I think um, there's a real possibility that we'll 
will move significantly in the direction of the one, the one and a half percent. Well, yeah, I really want to thank you all for your participation today. Our guests on This Week in Sustainability have been Frank Coleman, uh, former Senior Vice President at Christian Brothers Investment Service, Anna Bahar, uh, CEO of As You So, and Paula Glick, co-founder of Honey Tree Investment Management. If you want to learn more about their organizations and all things sustainable, I invite you to check out the sustainablecentury.net. Uh, thanks again, guys. Well, that's a wrap for this week in sustainability. But remember, if you aspire to have more sustainability in your life, check out the Sustainable Century Network at thesustainablecentury.net for podcasts and articles and sustainability news, opinion, lifestyle, and do-it-yourself ideas, and a whole heck of a lot more. Also, I want to remind you to listen to the Sustainable Century podcast featuring Eugene Elman, longtime impact investor and ES. G, our environmental, social, and governance investor from Toronto and Canada. And don't forget to reserve your place for our upcoming webinar, How to Choose a Sustainability-Minded Financial Advisor. You can look for more information this month and early next month on our website, thesustainablecentury.net. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields. I'm your host of This Week in Sustainability. Thanks for listening. And remember, it's up to you, it's up to us to make this the sustainable century.